whatever y'all did on a back-to-back in L.A., don't do it tonight. That team wasn't better than us. Be ready. It's easy. What you mean? Because I kind of had it going. Give me a chance to be great. I want to be great. Some people call those winning characteristics. A group of hungry individuals. It ain't sweet. He can do everything. It's just nice. You trying to put the league on notice? because we got more to do so welcome to the wolves watch podcast uh play-in edition uh i am dan radke and i'm joined as i always am by my co-host ricky jim bruno uh rick how are you today i'm i'm good man good just trying to figure out here whether i guess we're going to work through this together find out whether this is the last uh technically the last podcast of this season or if uh we will live like the timberwolves to uh to fight another day Live to pot another day. Um, Live to pot another day. <laughs> yeah. So Rick and I, uh, for anybody listening to this, we are recording on Thursday evening, uh, which is two days removed from the the Lakers playing the seven eight matchup in L.A. Uh, we have not had a chance to speak at all about it. We texted a little bit during the game, but no. uh, have not had a chance to speak about it at length. And I I kind of want to do this, Rick. We have we have some ground we want to cover. Um, obviously, the Wolves have a game coming up tomorrow that we'll get to. I want to start with just coming off of, of what was obviously a loss on Tuesday night. Um, it was an overtime loss, 108-102. Uh, I want to know coming out of that game, just kind of your your overarching thoughts about the performance of the team, the game itself, and then we'll get a little more tactile and, and break down pieces of it. Um, but what were your thoughts coming off that loss? And now that you're two days removed, have they changed at all? No, they they were about the same. You know, I'm disappointed that they lost the game. I'm not upset that they lost the game, but um, I'm disappointed that they lost the game because they played so hard. And even though there was, you know, they they and the Lakers are kind of roundly mocked for the fact that the the game was, you know, not really a beautiful basketball game. That didn't bother. That didn't matter to me at all. It was extremely tense and extremely high stakes. Um, but I was disappointed that they lost because I thought the team really played their asses off um, and were really undermanned and frankly had no business really even winning being in that game at all. Um, You know, I don't, I think Shaq was a little off base, you know, saying the Lakers should win by 30. Um, But even us like as to, and you know, to fairness to Shaq, he's probably watched five Timberwolves games this season. And if that, that. and you and I have watched 82 games and I would have probably you know, I would have thought it would have been a game where they lost comfortably anywhere between 10 and 20. So them to, with how little they had to work with, um, put together the type of performance that they did. And we'll, we'll get into who was surprised in a good way and in a bad way. But I would say just overall disappointed that they lost because, you know, I thought they I thought they had a really good chance of winning. So, but it was a, it was all just a really fun game. And it, it's a uh, you know justifies the existence of the play-in games like that. So it was a, it was a fun night of basketball. Like this is the thing for Wolves fans is you know everybody's you know just in the drop of a hat, snap of a finger has gotten really greedy after the results of last season and of course making the big trades that they made. All understandable, but for me, I just have a hard time even stepping up, even in that moment when it's, and that's, what's fun in that moment is you're intense. It's irrational. It's all of those things. But even then for me, man, like being in our thirties and knowing how few times we've ever gotten to see the wolves playing games like that, especially in our adulthood, it's just hard for me to be like super pissed that they, that they top it off with a win. If that makes sense. It was just, it's just fun as hell to watch them in a close game. Yeah, your feelings mimic mine. Um, the disappointment in the loss is that late in that game, it was a true coin flip. Um, and if one play breaks right for the Wolves, they had a chance to win that game. Um, but I, like you, the thing I took away from that is a lot of pride as a fan of this team for how hard that team fought. Um, that was... Same with my dog, yeah, evidently. Benny, by the way. Benny agrees. Um, He's got a lot of pride. Yeah, it was just, it was one of those games where you and I, uh, over the years, and, and even within this very season, have gotten on this this podcast and talked about 
you know, our disappointment, certain games. Um, I think I might've even used the phrase at one point this season that I was, I felt like watching the games that I cared more than the players at times. Um, and that was obviously something I felt early in the year, not so much late, Yeah, but I felt they fought extremely hard throughout that entire game, all the way to the bitter end, uh, which is all you can ask for from your team is that they come out and they play with everything they've got um, and give it every, every ounce of energy they have to give, which they absolutely did. And in a game like that, I think it was, it was very, um, it's weird to say this coming out of a loss, but I, I felt like it was a very gratifying end of your game for the Timberwolves, uh, given what they were up against to watch them nearly that out because that is, you know, had we talked, you know, game 30 of the season and obviously there's going to be no big games when you're 30 games into any regular season, but had we talked at that point in the season and we were hampered with, with these types of absences in our rotation, um, we would have said we have no shot and it's actually very likely that we get embarrassed. Like this, this game could get away from us to a point of losing by, you know, 20, 25, 30 points. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was not the case. So really proud of the way the team fought um, and the way Schedule they played lost. throughout. And one of the things that I wanted to start with, Rick, and I think this is this is interesting to talk about because, um, you know, depending on who the matchup is, you don't see this all the time. That Lakers defense is one of the best defenses I've seen uh, all season. And I, I take this back to the game that we played against them 10 days prior as well in the regular season. They have an ability as a unit to... Um, when they want to, to lock you up for an extended period of time and make every offensive possession completely miserable. Um, and they did that really effectively. And, and the Wolves helped with with being gassed at the end of that game. But I thought there were points in that in that game where I think fans, you know, I was checking Twitter to kind of get a temperature of the room kind of thing. And a lot of fans were talking about the stagnation of the offense and um, and how we just, you know, were wearing the clock down. And I actually, in real time, was looking at it very differently. I thought the Lakers did a really effective job at making life miserable on offense and cutting down almost every driving lane and, and every opportunity. I agree. And so going, you know, going forward with this team, you know, in that game, did you feel the same way? Like, were you disappointed? Cause this is, this is a good point to reach. Were you disappointed in the execution uh, the way that a lot of fans were late in that second half? Or did you like me see it more as a, a cause and effect of really effective defense and a lack of energy. Sit here. Um, and even with the benefit of the, knowing the result, it's really hard to sit here and say that, you know, doing some doing that there was just something else that that's very obvious that they could have done that they just chose to not do. Uh, I think, you know, you and I have, like many that have followed closely have been critical of the reluctance at times for them to get into offensive sets. But, you know, that's, it's, this is the thing. It's it's not as if they weren't trying to do that, or even if they, um, you know, weren't where they were like literally not running plays. That's not the case. It's just the, the Lakers really executed this modern defense scheme that, you know, it gets talked about as a shell a lot. Um, and it, it's become kind of the in vogue defense in the league, which is it's a combination of so many different types of defenses that you can't say it's like, oh, it's an evolution of a drop or something of that nature. It's it's something like a switching matchup zone um, situation yep. where it really requires all five guys. You can only play it if you have five really intelligent players that are on a string. Um, and it, 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 the reason they call it a shell is it's you're just grow, expanding and, and closing from the paint, basically, five guys from the paint. And if you can, Timberwolves fans can kind of visualize that in their head right now, the Wolves just couldn't crack the shell. They could not touch the paint and, um, you know, get the benefits of that, whether that's a foul, laying it in yourself, or usually it's a drive and kick to the next action to the next action. So you got to give the Lakers credit for really executing that amazingly and, and you know that's a defense the wolves also play you know quite often if you watch the plays um on the back line and not uh exactly just what's happening at the ball you see a lot of pre-switching so that when the action does happen at the ball the right guys are there you know and so it's like it just so happens that every time um 
we get that switch for Carl uh, onto Austin Reeves or whomever, and Anthony Davis is just right there. <laughs> and so it just, it doesn't matter. It might look like you go like, why did Kenny just like body Austin Reeves? And it's like, cause he's got Anthony Davis just right there. And Anthony Davis lurking. And lurking. even though our guys are spaced out as far as they possibly can be spaced out, Anthony Davis can close that gap, you know, like, if, if he comes too far off of whomever his responsibility is, by the time you kick it to him, Anthony Davis will close that up. So the Lakers, it's, you know, they walled off the paint and they switched everything. And when you do those two things, the only real antidote for that is one-on-one basketball. And with Anthony Edwards' struggles combined with, you know, probably him being injured, um, they just had nobody to be able to, to penetrate that at all and that's the sort of thing where you know I think this is why you want to get into a playoff series really in a nutshell is you would like to get an opportunity to face that exact same situation again and again um, and develop those strategies to to be able to beat it because you just realistically while you're seeing that scheme during the regular season it's just very rare you're seeing it executed at such a high level to the point where you know, there are guys on our team that are good players, good contributing players that um, you can see the difference. You can, re- this is the playoffs. Like you can really see the hierarchy of players and you just go, this guy actually just is not fast enough or strong enough or quick, all of these things skilled enough. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a playoff game in every way, except for the fact that as they kept saying, it's just like an invisible game statistically, but yeah, yeah I, I want to touch on something you just covered, which uh, was the explanation that you did a nice job of explaining kind of that shell, you know, semi-zone defense that the Lakers played. And it's no coincidence. Like, you know, I, again, paying attention to what a lot of Wolves fans were talking about. We had a good first half. We built a lead and offensively we were very productive. And, you know, a lot of fans did not want to scapegoat the team by saying, well, it was simply that we ran out of gas. I mean, you could probably make that argument from about the six minute mark of the fourth quarter on for sure. But D'Angelo Russell only played 24 minutes and he did not see the floor from the six minute mark of the third quarter on. That's when everything. Except for those bullshit plays. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He came yeah. in. He was a, he, yep, was a decoy. he came in as a decoy. Yep. But no, didn't play meaningful minutes. And it's no coincidence that as soon as that happened, when you talked about the coverage that they wanted to play, you need five guys connected. Well, guess, guess you can't have on the floor. You can't have D'Angelo <laughs> Russell on the floor. They pulled him. They switched him yeah. in for Rui. Rui is much bigger and obviously much more formidable uh, from a switching standpoint. Yeah, and I mean, for whatever, exactly, that's a good point. Is because, like, for whatever Rui's faults are as a defender, he's at least big. Yeah, big and switchable. And so as soon as that changed, um, that was basically the game. Uh, when they were able to play that effective shell coverage and go as a connected five-man unit, the offense completely, you know, sh- was shut down for the Wolves. And, you know, I'd say this too, watching that, that game play out is the wolf season. Like we talked about on our last episode, it's just been, and it's not to be an excuse maker. Cause I never want to sound that way as a fan, but we, it's a snake bitten season. And so when you go into a game like this one and you have no Jaden, no Nas, no Rudy, that's three of your seven best rotation players. You just, I mean, you don't have the ammo. You don't have the yeah. firepower. Um, yeah, come on, man. And so, like, like that's yeah, just not going to work. Um, Against the team, I, I, you know, I get that they're they're the seventh seed. They have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, this yeah. is, man, like. Yeah, it like, just, it, you can't, you can't pull it off. And I will say this, too, um, also piggybacking on what you talked about uh, with the Lakers. What became abundantly clear, and this was probably the thing that impressed me most watching the Anthony Davis performance, which, again, Another thing I'd just like to say in passing, I did not understand most of what was, you know, said about Anthony Davis after that game. It was almost talked about as though it was just kind of like a, you know, so-so game. I thought Anthony Davis was incredible. (laughs) Um, And to be honest, one of the most impressive elements was he was stopping every attempt to drive for like a quarter full. Like, I mean, every time somebody was trying to penetrate the shell, like you're talking about, it felt like either Anthony Davis was the primary defender in in the case of cat or Anthony Davis was this guy playing free safety. And every time somebody got two feet inside the three point line, 
he was cutting off every lane. Um, it was. It's so impressive to be able to then recover because we had we were playing oh. shooters without without Rudy on the floor. We were playing five shooters, so you know we're we're that's what you want. You want to draw another guy so you can kick it to whomever they were guarding, and they can either shoot or drive. But he's just he just was covering way too much ground, and uh, yeah, they just weren't able to. Then this is the thing, Dan, about the notion of it, it, this is what you do though when you're a fan is like you you like to think of it as it's all within the control of us, our team. And it's not, you know, like as if the other team is not a factor here. Like, dude, I mean, we talked about on the podcast, man, like me and my wife went to the game uh, when they played the Blazers. Like, like this, this was not that game. (laughs) Like um, that, that game was a game where, yeah, dried up. They didn't execute all of those things. All fair, all fair critiques, all true. Uh, that was not this game. Like these guys, these guys played their asses off. Nope. Um, and and it's really like they would have won the game if in the first half they could have gotten a couple more defensive rebounds that led to second chance points, or if they had taken care of the ball a little bit better. Then the, the fact that in the first half, then the fact that it all dried yep. up in the second half ultimately wouldn't have mattered because they would have been able to run the clock out. Um, it's just, they're just, and then a lot of this is Anthony Davis is they just had uh, in the first half, particularly, they just had way more possessions than the Timberwolves did. And even though the Timberwolves were, so, I mean, it's really, it's like a math problem. Like the Wolves were shooting, um, I wouldn't say above you know, they're shooting not above their head, but they're absolutely shooting above average in the first half. That's going to come down. The Lakers are beating you in the possession game. And that's just, that, that's the whole game. Yeah. And, and I, I want to say this too, because this is not something we're going to discuss for obvious reasons. It's loser shit to box score watch after a game like this and be like, whoa, the Lakers shot way more free throws. Oh my God. It's like, dude. it's, it's like, yeah. Yeah, A, they were all fouls. Like, all of them were fouls. For sure. And secondly... It was a well-officiated game. It was a well-officiated game. And, yeah, no shit, we didn't get any foul calls. We didn't get to the rim. We didn't get to the rim for, yeah. like, a quarter and a half. Yeah, yeah it, that that's how it should look. Um, one thing I wanted to bring... Yeah, Anthony Edwards didn't want to get touched. And, and, and why don't we just go there? Um, well, actually, Dan, I want to... Before we go there, I think we, we yeah. do need to say this because this was the, the content of the podcast uh, last week um, we we gotta give flowers to Carl Anthony Towns for the way that he played in this game and the way that he played in the last game of the season against the Pelicans like I said I was also at that game the fight game yes we were very close to it we were walking into that building my wife and I and confidently thinking like Hey, something, something's going to pop off. Not a fight. We didn't expect a fight to happen, but like there's going to be a meltdown of sorts. And, you know, you couldn't, Vegas took it off the board to even bet on Carl Anthony Towns, you know, and the guy had every reason in the world to do his normal routine. And he was absolutely outstanding. And he was absolutely outstanding against the Lakers as well. And I, I think with you and I, it gets, this is the thing is like, I think you and I are just accurately critiquing the output that cat has had in big games. And then in combination with the fact that we know he doesn't have like Anthony Edwards personality, you know? And so if you take those two things together, it's just Mm -hmm. logical to come to the conclusions that we have come to in the past, which is like, no, it seems like, one of the main reasons why this guy is coming up short is tied also to the fact that he has a difficult time leading guys and galvanizing guys. Like it's very easy to draw that conclusion. And he didn't do that in those two games. And so, you know, if we're going to bag on the guy in bad times, we got to shower the guy with praise in the good times where he was, he was outstanding. Yeah. He, he put on a two-game uh, performance that was um, tough to predict. 
I'll, I'll put it that way. I would not have, I would not have guessed that he could have done it twice in a row. Um, tra- traditionally, you know, when you get a good cat game, you usually no. don't follow it with, with a second good cat game. He was great in both games. Um, I also want to throw some cold water on the bitch moaning and complaining about him picking up cheap fouls. Listen. Oh my God. Jesus, dude. Yeah. I mean, he was the only big man that could play. And Listen, man, I, I'm sorry. And I, you and I are not cat apologists and we hold him accountable constantly. Dan, we traded him last week. We're not yeah. cat apologists. We're very far from it. Yeah. Anybody listening, we've already traded Carl Anthony sounds like three, four times this season. So over like five years, like yeah. we've been trading this dude for like a half decade at this point. Yeah. And you know, I, again, just paying attention. That's the only reason I'm bringing these things up, Rick, is I think it's informative because anybody who listens to this, that is just a fan of the game and maybe doesn't watch every game, but, but watches these big playoff type games. I think it's important because this is kind of, these were the talking points coming out of the game. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, you got to be smarter. You can't put yourself in foul trouble. I heard that from, you know, national people, a lot of national people. I heard Russillo on a podcast today talking about it. And my counter to that is a really easy one, which is he only center on the roster tasked with playing Anthony Davis one-on-one for an entire night. He played 41 minutes. I'm sorry, man. It is awfully fucking nitpicky given the game he had to start, you know, talking about the foul issue. Um, he was, yeah. I mean, he had two options on most of those scenarios, which is just a straight up Olay or, yeah, or foul. the shot, which is going to sometimes result in a foul. I mean, I think you could maybe point at one, one of the five fouls that was just, yeah, that was just kind of stupid, but man, come yeah. on, like give, give the dude a, like, how, how could you say anything about, Oh, you should be smarter. This, that is like, first of all, like, he ended up playing a shitload of minutes. So his foul trouble was not the reason that they lost the game. Like he, if, if we could have just had some competency nope. in the minutes when he was on the bench, he probably would have just rested even more than that. He even more than he did because of his foul trouble. Um, and that's obviously evidenced by the fact that his on off number was ridiculous. Um, Jokic esque. And so, no, <clears throat> it was, pardon me. Um, uh, I, I think that's a ridiculous take. Um, I, I just, I agree. I just, there's and, and, nothing, nothing about the performance that he had in that game or the game against the Pelicans that has anything in common with the playing game from last season, the series against Memphis, and then going back the series against the Rockets when we had Jimmy Butler. It's, it's, it's fundamentally not the same thing. The guy that showed up the last two games is the guy that has earned a max contract and then a super max extension. That's the guy that showed up. So that's not, it's not the same guy that has led us to believe that he can't be a part of a winning program here. Absolutely. And the other thing I want to say um, about the cat piece, and this will take us to Ant, um, who we definitely need to talk about, um, especially in context of going into tomorrow's game. Um, Cat played a game that, um, you know, honestly, I had doubted whether or not he had the capability of playing. And, and in this way, Cat's always going to be one of the best players on the floor for the Timberwolves. But in that game against LA, it all rode on him, literally. Everything rode on whether or not Carl Anthony yeah. Towns was going to be able to get buckets, create a collapse enough to get a guy a shot, Everything was based on Carl Anthony Towns that night, which is a situation had you and I been presented with before that game, we would have said, well, if that if that's what's going to happen, it's going to be a catastrophe like that. This is going to go incredibly poorly. Yeah, dude. And it's like, Dan, I was in the building for the playing game last year against the Clippers. He picked up two fouls within like three minutes of the start of the game. He just literally took himself out of the game. Yeah. So it's just not the same thing. No, I, he was incredible. Uh, the whole team was, was built in that one game was built around Carl Anthony Towns and his ability. And part of the reason for that, again, wanting to get to Ant for just a minute is, um, you know, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I'll give you my brief ones. Ant Edwards had a bad first half. He was, I think one of eight, one of nine, something like that. So he was having a bad game regardless. And my interpretation of the way that he fizzled at the end of that game I'm sorry. He took that fall. Um, and anybody who watched the game, he, he got upended, took a fall right onto kind of his shoulder and neck. Um, it was a pretty, pretty gnarly play. He came up from it and you and I were texting during the game, uh, going into the fourth quarter. And we said, you know, Ant's got to play the whole fourth quarter. 
listen. Yeah, I didn't know that he was in the uh, in the locker room for that injury. I, it, neither I did didn't I. Didn't even know that. Yep, neither did I. And so the fact, because you and I were saying something that was just very obvious, given how that that quarter ended, and the fact that he was unable to go until I believe the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter tells you that the dude was fucking hurt. And again, he not to take any pressure off him in that first half, which was bad. But the way that he played at the end of that game, anybody who's watched this guy at any point in his career, especially coming off that Pelicans performance, this isn't a guy that like the moment was too big. He just couldn't fucking go. He couldn't go. And and unfortunately yeah. we were so fucking thin. There was no alternative. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And the man also turned off the faucet on D'Angelo Russell, who I thought was yes, trying to have a really good game against the Timberwolves. It kind of had everything you could possibly want for a good D'Angelo Russell game. And he was a complete non-entity. And the reason for that is because nobody understands better than Anthony Edwards and the Timberwolves coaching staff, what D'Angelo Russell did not like and what he does not like is physicality. And Anthony Edwards bodied his ass yep. in the first half to the point where he rendered him completely unplayable. So, and that was a big part of them coming out to the big lead. And that just goes to show you, like, if you're bitching about the performance of the Wolves, they, it's, they still could have won the game if they just had had a couple less turnovers or closed out a couple of possessions, even with Anthony Edwards, you know, being unable to, to uh, score the ball. And that, that is in large part because of the defense that he played in the first half. His, I'm so glad you brought that up in the first half. I was so enamored by the fact that Anthony Edwards fought over every screen. He did not get screened off D'Angelo Russell more than like twice. He he fought over every screen to just be in D'Lo's jersey and made his life a complete miserable hell for that game. And on top of that, in the second half, he was playing LeBron. And again, Anthony Edwards is giving up, you know, 17 years of NBA experience and, yeah. and a lot, in addition to yeah, a lot of physical yeah. size. Yeah. Um, but again, was just really effective. Like you're not going to stop him, but man, did he do an effective job of slowing him down given what that matchup was. So again, and like, Ant had a couple big rebounds. So again, I don't want to be apologetic about what was a putrid offensive performance, but again, I talked during our last episode, or maybe it wasn't our last episode, but you and I were talking before the Laker game days in advance. And, and I talked about, I kind of felt, I think my reference to you was like, I'm kind of feeling like a, like a Kobe esque kind of run for Ant here where he just goes fucking killer. Uh, on these teams and and plays with that level of intensity for entire stretches of games. And unfortunately, man, we'll see kind of what things look like tomorrow night, but it, unfortunately he was, and, and awesome, anybody yeah. watched that game, if you're, if you're kidding yourself into believing there wasn't an injury, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if you just watch the guy, there was no way that dude was healthy. Yeah. And his game is just simply not refined enough at 21 years old to he doesn't have much to fall back on uh, beyond his bread and butter which is bread and butter to this point in his life you know has led him to become who he is and so you need to this is part of the process with a young star is nothing nothing teaches like failure and you look no further than the guy he was guarding in the second half and LeBron James who did not post up in the NBA until he was like eight seasons in and he had suffered the humiliation yeah. of the loss to the Dallas Mavericks. And you could look at those games in the 2011 finals and be like, yeah, Le it was very similar where LeBron, they just turned the hose off and he couldn't just back a dude down. Like he can, you know, obviously now and has been able to do for like the last 10 years. Um, that's just not part of Anthony Edwards game yet. And the hope is of course that, and I think anyone that has watched him as much as we have, like, is well aware that it's well within his capability with time to add these things to his game. But time is the key word. I mean, the guy is still pretty, you know, novice basketball player at this point. And if he doesn't have the pop and his shoulder is fucked up, and so that's going to affect his jump shot, there's not really going to be much there, um, unfortunately. And we just didn't have – he was really the only guy outside of Carl Towns that could – you know, in the roster that was available to us could break the paint. I mean, as great of a game as Mike Conley had, and he was phenomenal. Um, he's, that's not who he is right now at, at his age. And so um, they just were short, you know, they just were short guys. It's one of those situations. 
and I don't want to transition yet to talking about this guy, but it is truly one of those situations where you see the value of Rudy because we didn't have, you know, what, when we say like, Oh, if Ant could get in the post or LeBron couldn't get in the post in 2011, you know, what is a automatic way to get something popping is to have Rudy set one of those lumbering screens and we just didn't have it. And that's not, you know, that's not cat's yep. game. Uh, it's still, obviously the verdict is still out on whether that means that playing a cat in it with a guy that does those things is, is effective. You know, obviously like the information we have right now is probably that it's not, but you also have to acknowledge, and this is what we've said in all of the years leading up to the season with cat is you, despite the brilliance of his game, um, and a lot of it is because he is able to do these things while remaining center size and doing it as a mismatch against other big guys is we still, it, it, it does rob you of that really easy ability to just get something rolling, which would be just like somebody setting up a, a bone breaking screen for a ball handler. Yeah, no, we, you're 100% right. And we're going to transition to him very soon. Cause I would like to talk about, um, the Rudy part of this for anybody, you know, and again, it, anybody listening to this, um, that Pelicans game that Rick was in the building for that he referenced that got us into the seven, eight game. There was really meaningful stakes to that game. A loss puts you in the nine, 10, a win puts you in the seven, eight. And Anthony Edwards was, uh, sensational late in that ball game, um, in that fourth quarter. And so again, that is why, you know, you hope here in these couple of days since the Lakers game that he's been able to get it, whatever rehab he needs to hopefully get that shoulder right or whatever it is that he's dealing with most at this point. Um, because obviously you do need, you mentioned the roster. I mean, you just need that offensive output, um, to be able to win, uh, yeah, I think, Dan, in conclusion, it's just we don't believe that that is a data point that indicates um, that Anthony Edwards is just not that guy. Um, I don't think yep. so at all. No. I mean, it's obviously no. something you, you know, you take you take a little mental note of, um, but I, I don't I don't think that's the case. I mean, that's then the reason why we think that about Cat, just to reiterate that point, is because he that's all he had done up until this point in these high leverage games. And so, and that's not the case for Anthony Edwards, who's also just a lot younger. Um, But yeah, I mean, just, just overall, like, and we're going to find out this, this game, man, this upcoming game, I I was saying this to my wife before the tip off of the Pelicans Thunder game last night. I was like, I really genuinely don't know who I would feel better playing as the Wolves, because on one hand, well, hold on, hold on, on one hand, the Pelicans um, they're going to, one of the things that is, you know, snake bit in this team this year is their preparation level, um, as it relates to their opponent. And they, I think that that would not have been a problem against the Pelicans. You, I mean, it, it's a joke to even have to say this about a game that if you lose it, uh, you're out, your season is over, but you got to say it about this team. Um, and then for OKC, no, but then the flip side of that, I'm sorry, is that it's really hard to beat a team two times in a row. And so I'm going back and forth on that. Um, but then if you watch, you know, when you watch that game last night and you see um, the way that Oklahoma City plays, it it becomes really clear to you that no, 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 that, that it would have been better if the Pelicans had won the game. Yeah, uh, it would have. And uh this goes back for anybody that's listened to Rick and I talk basketball at all. Uh, this goes back deep into the tough watch archives. Um, it might've been shortly after Dagnalt had gotten the job in Oklahoma city. It's definitely before and, he had a Wikipedia page. Yes. Yes. I remember that joke. I remember that joke and uh, the joke, but it is real. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And uh, jokes rooted in facts. And uh, no, we, this is something you and I talked about forever where it's like, they always, even when they were near the bottom of the conference, like they always won way more games than they should have based on their personnel, way more games than they should have. And they're just a pain in the ass because they play really good ball. Like they, a, they all play really hard, which is like step one. If you're any team, like regardless of who you have on the roster, if you just night in and night out, play really hard, 
like one through 10, you're just a pain in the ass to deal with. And you're going to stumble into some wins you probably don't deserve. And then on top of that, like Dagnalt is, they run good shit on offense. They just do like they're, they're a well. No, they, they are what, uh, what Chris Finch hopes that the wolves are. I mean, because you know, you say they run good shit. They do, but they also don't really run anything. Um, no, but that's the no, whole I system. I mean, yeah. that's the future. Yeah. That's the thing is, and that is actually something if, if people want to, there people are going to get insane for saying this, but if you want to have some optimism about the, the, you know, what, how, what the season was for the wolves in the long term of it is they at least have the right idea about what the future of the NBA is. And it, it's what Oklahoma city does, which is we all know at this point that the most efficient offense comes in transition and um, and when you touch the paint, and that is all they do. <laughs> it's all they do. They have five guys on the court that can touch the paint and make a pass and make a shot, and that is their entire offense is whoever, you know, it's, my God, especially if it's a live ball turnover, it's good night, man, against these guys. Um, between Shea, Giddy. And Jalen Williams, the good one. Although the other, you know, man, the other Jalen Williams is not bad. The one's too. a bulldog. <laughs> Pretty good player. Yeah, he's a bulldog. Uh, but those three guys are a fucking load. And they will, uh, I heard Nate Duncan was saying it like this on his podcast. And he art, he articulated it very bluntly, but it's correct. He was talking about both Giddy and J-Dub, but it's true of Shea as well, is they take the ball up the court. And you think like, oh, well, the defense is set. We got to start running a play. And they just don't stop dribbling until you stop them, you know? And it's like, and because those guys are so fucking big from the guard position, they're going to be probably pretty close to the paint, if not in the paint, before they can stop their momentum. And at that point, you know, it, it's already started. The blender's already started. Yeah, and you didn't even mention the human fire hydrant and Lou Dort, yeah. who's just like, so this is my my fear with Oklahoma City um, as somebody who like deeply admires what do they are the in every way the 1.0 version of the perfect basketball team where it's like no their yeah their talent is not high enough that this is a team that could be the four seed in the Western Conference like they just they simply don't have enough talent however yeah, exactly. well talent and experience I shouldn't say talent experience they don't no, 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 no. You are correct about that. You're correct. About okay. That. So, but when you watch them play, you're a hundred percent right. Like they, they run such good offense through just pure. And it's the thing that you and I talk, it sounds like a fucking dadism, but it's just like ball and player movement constantly. Like it's just constant with these guys and they capitalize on every fucking opportunity, every turned head that leads to a backdoor cut, every slight angle that SGA can get off the dribble or Giddy can get off the dribble. It's just, they're, they're so effective and watching that game last night in preparation for, for our, you know, next opponent, knowing that the winner moved on to the wolves was the Pelicans are one of those teams where you worry about them just because of the known. It's like, I know that Brandon Ingram is great and can go off. I know CJ can get hot from deep. I know Herb Jones is a pain in the ass defender. who's going to make it really hard on Anthony Edwards, Oklahoma city. It's the, it's the unknown. It's like, that game last night, it was like, all right. I mean, I totally get in that first half yeah. just being like, we will sell out to stop SGA. And then Giddy goes for 30 and Dort goes for 27. It's like, well, what the hell then? You know, like if we're. You... Yeah. And you see J-Dub, even if he didn't have that impressive stat line, those guys did get to the bucket like a young James yes. Harden in, so, in some circumstances. Yeah, it's I just, mean... it's it's a lot to handle, which sounds ridiculous um, when you just look at their roster. It's just, Dan, it's because it comes from every point on the court. And when they yes. are able to swap out, and this is what makes the Chet Holmgren pick even more brilliant for them, if the guy can ever, you know, have a healthy career, is that is exactly what he is. And if they are able, could swap out Jalen Williams, the other one for him, and you have five guys now that all are able to do everything, it's a load, man. And this is the thing about running that random offense and uh, playing through flow like the Wolves like to and OKC likes to is you see this a lot when teams, I think about like a Tom Thibodeau set, Dan. Um, when when it's a 
play set and often they're good. You know what I mean? Like I'm not sitting here saying team shouldn't run plays, but what I'm saying is it's perfunctory for the guys that are not the main uh, characters in the play. Um, whether they're setting like an away ball screen, what, whatever the case, you can, I can imagine cat right now in my mind, um, you know, setting a non screen because that's where the X goes on the, on the whiteboard. You know what I mean? To get into something, but when it's not planned sure. and it's five guys improvising all at once, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot harder to defend uh, because you just don't know, like the guy starts moving without the ball. Is he going to set a screen? Is he cutting? What, you know, it's like, what is he, what's the angle here? And then the fact that they all can do everything. One play that I thought I was like, what the fuck is this man? This is this is modern NBA. Was they ran a horn set with J Dub, who's ostensibly their power forward. So their power forward is bringing the ball up the court and running a horns action, which um, for anybody that doesn't know, it's it's typically a two big actor at each of the elbows, and you get and you can imagine Cat and Rudy being in those spots, right, and setting a double pick or something like that. They were running that with two point guards, with Giddy and SGA, with their power forward running the point in the spot. And you just watch that. I don't even know if they scored out of the action, but you just watch that and you're like, this is just discombobulating. If you're the defense, this is just fucking weird. And it, I know exactly the play you're talking about. The other, so not only do they do that, um, one of the actions, and it, and it wasn't the horn set action, but it was it was either a drive to the paint or it was um, Giddy in the dunker spot. I can't remember, but he got he got right next to Valanciunas, and I was like, "Are you talking about Josh Giddy?" Yeah, Josh Giddy. I'm about? sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is all yeah. Josh Giddy, and Josh Giddy's kind of like standing next to Jonas Valanciunas, and it's like Josh Giddy is enormous. Yeah, he's he is not that so much smaller. Fucking big. And that's like when you watch that game last night, Rick brings up the idea of having Chet Holmgren on this team. And it's like when Giddy is that damn big and you put Chet Holmgren out there, who the criticism of him was like, well, he's just real thin. Yeah, he's tall, but he's real thin. Like you can actually start seeing the seeds. Of, and I didn't know we were going to do this much OKC, but that's just that just were amazing. Yeah, like night, yeah. you can just <laughs> see the seeds of being like, well, you you do realize that none of that's going to matter because they're fucking I guess no. shooting guard is like <laughs> it doesn't matter now Dan. oh sorry it's Lou Dort or what or, or no I was talking about Giddy like I was like in lineups I was like so he's the shooting guard but he's so big that he could probably compete for a rebound with their center so it's like what does it matter what does any of it matter <laughs> no it doesn't matter this is the thing it's like there are so many times where they're playing the tallest guy is six six and it's not like a burly six six guy it's like a truly a six six shooting guard I'm thinking about like an Aaron Wiggins type um and I'm just like, sure. why do they not have any problems with protecting the rim or getting rebounds? I'm like, I don't, I don't, and I, and I don't have the answer to that because <laughs> I've only probably seen him play 10 times this year, but yeah. And especially this is the key when it'll be, especially the key when Chad gets back because Jalen Williams, the other one is the, is the one guy that can't do this is all of them are able to touch the paint and make a pass no. in different ways. That's the key is shade does it with. Um, with craft, Jalen Williams does it with skill. Josh Giddy does it with size, and Lou Dort does it with power. And then when you add Chet Holmgren to the mix, he does it with length. And it's usually when you think about, you can think about any one of those guys as being the Trey Young in a heliocentric offense, but it's just completely unnecessary when you have five, four or five guys there that all can do that too you know and so they're just relentlessly touching the paint in so many different ways and kicking it and kicking it and knowing it's going to come back like Shay and Giddy will get off the ball really fast it's coming back like it's not they're not worried about the you know Shay's going to get his shots um but yeah I love that you talked about Josh Giddy there and his size because there are so many plays where you know when you talk about or Nate Duncan was talking about he just dribbles and he just doesn't stop dribbling you just watch it and I can imagine if you're courtside or, you know, you're on the court with these guys, it's really obvious why this works so well. But, you know, with an overhead camera angle, it really does just look like you're like, I mean, this guy looks pretty slow. 
I'm trying to figure out why he just keeps, you know, getting where he needs to go. And then you're just like, oh, it's just, he's so much bigger than this guy. He's just powering through him. And then when he goes up for a shot, he's just, he's just right there at the rim. <laughs> like, um, and it doesn't take any type of his finishing yep. package is, yep. I, I mean, he looks like a guy playing at the rec, but it's just, you know, he's just getting the ball up there and, but yeah, they're, they're amazing. Um, so anyway, why, how this relates to the wolves though, and why that is a particularly difficult matchup for the Timberwolves is, um, it's, it's beyond just every, we just talked about their play style and, you know, that should be fairly obvious as to why that would be difficult for us to guard. Um, what's, what's going to be especially difficult here is that they have nothing to lose whatsoever and everything to gain. And uh, the Timberwolves have so much to lose in this game, man. And I'm, I've really come to believe being in that building that, and this is honestly, if we were playing on the road, I'd feel pretty good about winning the game. I felt the same way about the Laker game. If we had played that Laker game at home, I would have said, fuck no. But there is a spiritual component here that both the fans and everybody in that building, including the players, can feel when you are in that arena. It's the baggage and history of not just Minnesota Timberwolves failures, Minnesota sports failures, and you can feel it. And I'm sure the players can feel it. Um, and you contrast that with against a team that's young, hungry, and nothing to lose. That is tough, man. I mean, we're going to have to out-talent them and out-execute them, which we have the, we have the, of course, we have the dogs to be able to do it. But man, a 50-50 game against a team like that, mm. I don't like that. Yeah, for me, that game, um, and we don't have, obviously, and we won't until late tomorrow. We don't have an updated injury report. Um, right now, Rudy Gobert is uh, extremely questionable. Um, Need him. Yeah. It, I don't even care if he looks like how he did, uh, in which resulted in Kyle Anderson calling him a bitch. I'll take that bitch, Rudy Gobert, <laughs> um, in those minutes where Cat can't play at the very least. No, we need to, you know, in my opinion – you you don't match uh, or try to match style with Oklahoma City. You play a center the whole time. You need Rudy because, like you said, you can spot him out and you can make sure that either Rudy or Cat is on the floor. And, uh, yeah, we need Rudy desperately, regardless if he's moving like fucking Frankenstein. Um, eat him. We, uh, we need them. We need to be able to eliminate the sentence that I said a couple of minutes ago, which is how do these guys not have trouble defending the rim? How do these guys not have trouble on the boards? That That's the story of the game right there. If if our if our yep. size is not the determining factor in the game, they, they're going to lose the game. But if they're able to um, exert their will on them physically, because we are just so much bigger than them, and so was New Orleans last night, um, then that's 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 the route to winning. I couldn't agree more. Uh, this is a game where. Kyle Anderson, uh, who's been obviously phenomenal uh, the whole season, but Kyle Anderson, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert are all going to need to play. Uh, we're going to need to win the rebounding battle. No second chance points for the Oklahoma City team. Uh, we're going to need second chance points of our own. We're going to need lap dunks. We're going to need guys that can that can help uh, protect that rim uh, when when inevitably these guys on the perimeter are going to get to the paint. And uh, so I'm going to be at this point. It's uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's an incomplete grade from me when it comes to t- tomorrow night's game because if Rudy can't go, devastating, devastating. Um, if Anthony Edwards is said to be, you know, hurt enough, he's going to be playing through an, an obvious upper body injury. That's actually, in my opinion, less devastating than Rudy's absence, but st- but still a killer. Um, you know, you really this is this is one of those I games agree. you bring up the baggage. And you could feel this uh, during that Pelicans game. And you, you feel, you know, <laughs> like you, you can feel it through the TV and you were yeah. in the building. Yeah. It is something that is, is palpable. Um, it starts almost immediately. Like if a team goes on a run or builds a lead of more than six points, oh, yeah. um, you can just feel it festering. And, uh, and I, I completely agree with you, man. Like Oklahoma City is not only playing with house money in this game. They're going to play so free-flowing. Um, that the Wolves are really going to have to come in. Oh. And, and in my opinion, it's all going to be about uh, that first quarter. They're going to real, they're really going to need 
to to bring it in that first quarter and, and establish yeah, a lead. Um, and if they are lucky enough to have Oklahoma City shooting the ball poorly, they need to build a fucking lead. Um, they need to make sure that if they get an opportunity to play a team that's that's uh, you know not firing, they need to build a meaningful lead because this is a team. You know, it's it's the contrast in styles is so wild. Going from playing the Lakers in L.A. to playing this Oklahoma City team at home, it couldn't be a more different game. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, the Lakers team is very much a LeBron team, which is they have a lot of play finishers around, you know, maybe the best playmaker in the history of the league. Um, and what we, you know, we're rambling about about OKC is that they're all playmakers. Um, so you just have to be vigilant everywhere yeah. on the court. But I agree with the first quarter thing. Um, I think to really establish physicality in that first quarter, I think is crucially important, um, especially since we're not going to be able to have Jaden McDaniels guarding SGA, which he would have. That means Anthony Edwards is going to guard him. He needs to ant ant. It's more his defense is going to be more important to me than his offense in this game. And it's not even about what SGA's ultimate stat line is going to be. He needs to be extraordinarily physical with him in a way that he was with D'Lo in the first half. That's he's not going to shrink like D'Lo did, but um, you know you got to make it difficult for him. You got to put him on the ground a couple times. Um, what Ant does, he's so quick. I mean, he's got to be one of the quickest players in the league. What he does better than almost anybody is anticipates your spot, beats you to that spot, and he's a brick fucking wall. And uh, you just see dudes bouncing off him. It's got to be like that with SGA. He's SGA has got to feel the pain um, every time he tries to take it to Ant. It's he's got to pay a price for that physically. Um, and then on the interior for the Wolves. I think we found, I think they found some good stuff last night and uh, at the end of the Pelicans game, even if you put Rudy back in the mix, because you can, this is a, this is something we've learned about Rudy, honestly. Um, It's, it's less of a problem with a big to big situation with him because he really does know where to put himself on the court and we can get Carl closer to the basket and keep Rudy in that dunker spot. And we know, uh, we know cat can find him for the lob. And so I think we got to just keep working on getting cat closer to the basket. Um, I think, you know, the instinct and obvious one is he's such a great shooter and, you know, with Rudy's presence by the basket, you know, it's just, it's just common sense that you would want to space around that. But I think we have definitely in those alignments, we have been leaving stuff on the table in terms of Carl's offense. And I, he's just too important offensively to do that um, for some platonic ideal of um, what, what it could look like with all five guys out there. I think you got to find a way to get him the ball in the mid post or on the, or even on the block, have Rudy spacing appropriately and make him pay that way. Yeah, I think, um, one of the things, Rick, that I'm going to be paying attention to, you mentioned Carl Anthony Towns and, and the offensive end of the floor. There is an outcome that I am, I'm terrified of, and uh, we just waxed poetic about Carl Anthony Towns and the fact that he played really well uh, these last two games. Oh, yeah. There's one outcome that I'm terrified of, and it, it, we're playing a small team. Carl Anthony Towns is going to feel like back to the basket, I can feast. And Carl Anthony, yep, he can't control his off arm. And I could see him picking up two offensive fouls quick in this game. Um not agreeing with either call, but just like last year, you mentioned him taking himself out of the game in the plan against the Clippers. That's, that's his kryptonite. And that is the worst possible outcome for the wolves. This is a game that if Carl Anthony towns can keep his left hand to him, to himself uh, is going to be able to, uh, to get to his spots offensively. And he's going to have to knock down shots, uh, which I totally believe he would. Um, you know, the other, they cannot guard him straight nope, up. I mean, can't do it. It's, it with, 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 I mean, who would he, I don't even know how they're going to match it up, honestly. I would have to imagine they'll put the other Jalen Williams on Rudy and I guess yep. Lou Dort. I mean, you typically you want to put Lou Dort on Anthony Edwards, but if you do that, who's guarding Cat, you know? Um, I think it's going to be Giddy or the other yeah, Jalen Williams, to be honest. I think it's yeah. one of those two guys just for the physical height. Um, yeah, no, and, and I think too, Rick, going into this game, and, and we've been talking for almost an hour, so I know we're happier soon, but going into this game, um, I the Wolves have always played well as a scorned team. 
uh, when their backs against the wall. I think that's why they played so well uh, in LA the other night. This is going to test that medal. Um, It's the last chance to keep the season alive. The stakes could not be high. And if they play like they have throughout the season, coming off bad losses or losses in general, I think the Wolves are going to look like the team that you and I at periods of time during the season have kind of fallen in love with. Um, It's yeah. Including at times against OKC. No question. Yeah, no question. Um, And, you know, you got to, the other thing that I, you know, you hope as as a Wolves fan is, uh, you know, Oklahoma is coming off a win and, uh, and that was a huge win. And granted, this team is, is pretty buttoned up and they play well above their years, even though they have no veterans, but maybe just maybe, you catch them coming off a win and you hungry coming off a loss at home. That could be the right recipe. You know, if, if you catch them slipping a little bit and you're bringing the physicality and the energy, like you talk about, yeah, that sure. could be the recipe to, to have that first quarter we're talking about and build a lead. Like we're talking about. Um, but you know, honestly, regardless of outcome, and we'll talk about it either way. This is a season where it, with all the ups and downs, the team is finishing the way I would like them to finish. Um, and you, you can't change what's happened with the, you know, the Rudy suspension and the Jalen hand and the, the Nas Reed wrist and the cat 50 plus games absent, you know, you can't change any of that. Um, I do like that this team appears at least from, from, uh, from my standpoint to not be fracturing, which would have been incredibly easy to do. I agree. It's, it's, it's what makes the season even more unusual, honestly, because the simple story to tell about this team, which was told uh, a lot in the wake of the Rudy Gobert punch and suspension by national reporters that don't have, the, frankly, even as much of an idea about what's going on there as you and I do with no sources, um, is that right. is that story of them splintering, which is just... Um, I, I think it's weird, too, that they're not. I mean, I understand. I don't think that that's... I think it's a logical take to expect that, um, but I don't see it, but the metal, you know, the pedals hitting the metal here and what we're going to find out, because th- this is a very different situation being in an elimination game. We saw this last night um, with the two teams that lost in the end, you're just watching it and you're like, doesn't seem like they're that bothered that, that they can now just go do whatever they want to do, you know? And so that's we'll find out. We'll find out a lot about the Timberwolves and their body language in this game. Um, but I don't get the impression that I get the impression that if they lose the game, they will be very, they will have been like, I didn't, I was definitely not planning on not working tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, no, this team expects to be playing a playoff series for sure. Without for a doubt. Sure. Um, all right, Rick, any last thoughts before we, before we hop off? Well, let's try to predict this one, Dan. Um, I, you know, I, I am predicting an Oklahoma City win. That's, if I'm just being honest, that is that that is what I think Oof. is going to happen. And maybe that is just me, you know, putting a little drama, a little drama sprinkle on it so that when the Wolves do win the game, I'm like, wow, I didn't, boy, I didn't expect that. But that is actually truly how I feel. Um but having said that, I do think it's about a 50-50 proposition. I just think with um, the baggage that the Timberwolves have, in, in in contrast to how little baggage OKC does, in a 50-50 scenario, I'm going to favor the team that is playing light and has nothing to lose. Uh, I am taking the Wolves. Um, when I when I envision this game in my head, um, I do envision I, I can't envision Oklahoma City coming into Minnesota and, and taking the season away from us. Um, for everything I said in this podcast, I just don't see that being the outcome. I feel like again, this team has not fractured or splintered, as you said, um, and I and I really believe that th- this is a team that, regardless, let's say they they go into the fourth quarter down six or something like that. I feel like this team, even hampered, is going to have another gear to go to um, because you mentioned, you know, out, you know, basically out talenting them um, is the way that I think you said it earlier. And that's the one ace up our sleeve that if we need to for six to eight game minutes, if we need to turn it on and, and exert our just our talent, our high end talent um, 
in that game, I think we'll be able to do so. It, it's to me, the reason I'm feeling this way is uh, the way that the Pelicans game ended in Minnesota. Um, I feel like there is a gear that we can go to that Oklahoma city wouldn't be able to match. Um, and that will be a gear that they're not going to leave on the table. It's not, I do not see this team going out with a whimper. Um, I do feel like even if it was late and they needed to put on a run, they have the capability to do so. And, you know, again, I think the Pelicans game is the only one we can point to because that was the biggest game of the season, you know, and when they needed it, they went to it. And in the Lakers game, the only reason we couldn't get there is a, it was the Lakers. So they could match us talent wise. And coupled with the fact that we just didn't have gas left in the tank, given the way that game played out and who playing um, and who we were missing. And so I think, I think that Oklahoma city is going to fight like hell. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the wolves late in the game, will be able to go, go to that second gear and, and take care of it. I think that's very well put. Um, it's so interesting, man, that here we are on Thursday, really, but we're four days removed from that Rudy punch. And I feel like the narrative yeah. on that, at least in my own mind, has changed dramatically as you know, like as each passing day. And so we'll see um, what our narrative is even about that after this this game here on Friday. For sure. Yeah, well, take care. We're going to be, I mean, the game is tomorrow night. Like I said, it's Thursday now. We're going to be having that game late Friday night. We'll be on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, win, win or lose, we'll be on this weekend to yeah, talk about yeah, what happens. Sure. So let's go Wolves. Let's get a win. And let's uh, let's be prepping for a Denver series on Sunday. That would be amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's why, yes, you have the three centers that have been all NBA. We have two of them. And it's still a huge mismatch, <laughs> but like, you just are like, come on, yes. man, we're kind of built to beat this team. Like, let's, let's do this, please get a shot. Let's get yeah. a shot. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Enjoy the evening. We'll talk to you soon.